The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 199 Christ's Church Grows Rapidly Peter woke up early the morning after the day of Pentecost. He was excited, inspired, and a little stressed, all at the same time. He knew that the day of Pentecost in AD 31, known as June 17 on a modern calendar, would be as significant a day for God's little flock as the day God delivered the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Peter reckoned that major historic event also happened on the day of Pentecost, less than 1,500 years before. He recognized that the 120 disciples who intimately knew Jesus while he was on earth, along with the newly baptized and converted Jews, were a part of history in the making. God had begun to pour out his Holy Spirit on people as he had promised through the prophet Joel. No one could have known exactly when or how God would do this. Yet God always keeps his promises. What an experience! The 120 disciples had received God's Spirit in a most dramatic way, engulfed in a sound of a rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire hovering over their heads, boldly speaking about God's wonderful works to a large crowd. He still felt stunned by it all. Amazing, Peter whispered under his breath. Peter also thought about the 3,000 people added to the body of believers on Pentecost. They received the Holy Spirit too, yet not in such a dramatic way. Still, they were blessed recipients of God's awesome promised gift. What a great miracle, Peter said out loud. That event also marked another first for Peter and the other apostles. The work of baptizing the 3,000 on Pentecost, also called the Feast of Firstfruits, Mark the beginning of the Apostles' Commission, fulfilling what had been previously given to them by Christ. Peter had a clear memory of that day, manifesting himself in the flesh after his resurrection. Jesus had met the disciples on a mountain in Galilee. There he told them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go then and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age." Peter realized that he could never have fully understood what Christ said then, until yesterday. Baptizing 3,000 people in one day was hard work. 
Peter's responsibility to lead Christ's church had suddenly increased with the number of new disciples. He would never forget Christ's last instructions directed to him with a stirring intensity at their Passover supper. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan demanded to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. When you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Now was the time to fulfill this God-given obligation. Peter sensed that the new brethren needed to be strengthened. He felt a great weight on his shoulders. Yet he knew with confidence that Jesus Christ would be directing him from the Father's throne room in heaven. Peter was energized to start his job. The newly baptized members needed more scriptural instruction. This effort would need to be organized. Feeding and housing them were additional challenges since most were visitors to Jerusalem. Of course, Peter knew he could rely on the help of James and John. Christ had often grouped the three of them together as a team. He said he would build his church. Peter was thrilled at his part in that work of building. He planned to meet with the sons of Zebedee and the other apostles as soon as possible. They had their part in the work too. Once he was sufficiently awake, Peter got on his knees and prayed for inspiration and help. He then dressed for the day and went to meet with the others. The newly baptized members had no desire to leave Jerusalem immediately after the Feast of First Fruits. They needed to know more about Jesus, his resurrection, and the doctrines he taught. They wanted to meet and talk with each apostle and the original 120 disciples, and also meet and talk with the other new converts. They all recognized quickly that they needed to get even closer to God in prayer and study of the scriptures. Everything in their lives had changed in just one day. Like little children, they had to learn how to live a new way of life. Seeing God display his power, witnessing the apostles perform many wonders and signs, hearing Peter explain God's prophecy as it happened, being called to repent and believe the gospel message. All these things had given them a deep sense of awe and respect for God. They were also somewhat fearful of hearing Joel's prophecy of the end time explained more fully. All sensed an urgency to qualify for God's kingdom. The entire group of new believers was excited to begin walking a more narrow path of righteous living. Peter and the other apostles were amazed by the unity displayed among the new believers. They banded together and took care of each other. Their generosity toward each other became evident immediately. Some of the local members began to sell some of their possessions, even land, so everyone's physical needs could be met. They were willing to give generously to support any member in need. No one jealously held onto private goods. Peter and the other apostles were so pleased. There was even money to support the needs of the work. 
Until the apostles made different arrangements, all the new believers met at the temple daily to pray to God their Father. They also shared meals and fellowship together daily at different houses. The apostles could readily instruct and counsel them privately in these homes. The new believers were eager to gain new understanding from the scriptures. There was great gladness among them. Everyone was united in mind and they had favor with all the people in Jerusalem. Most important of all, Jesus Christ added new members to their numbers daily. Near this same time, there was a day that Peter and John went to the temple to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. This was a traditional time of day for devout Jews to pray at the temple. The two men walked toward the gate of the temple called Beautiful. Sitting just outside this entrance was a man who had been crippled since birth. His family carried him to this gate daily so he could ask alms of the people going to the temple to pray. As Peter and John entered Beautiful, this man noticed them. Please give some money to a poor lame man who cannot work. Hearing his request, Peter was moved by God's Holy Spirit. Look at us. Peter instructed, focusing his eyes intently on the cripple. The lame man gave the apostles his full attention, thinking they would give him a donation. But something happened that the man would never have expected. I have no silver or gold, Peter said. But what I do have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then Peter reached out with his right hand and lifted the lame man up. Immediately, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed, giving him the strength to jump up on his feet. The man was so excited to be healed that he walked into the temple with Peter and John. With intense joy, he leaped and praised God continually. Wouldn't you have done the same? This miraculous incident captured the attention of the other Jews in the temple. They were awestruck. They knew that this man, now leaping for joy with great strength, was the cripple who had begged at the beautiful gate for years. Now, not only could he walk, but he could leap into the air. How was this possible? The gathering crowd wondered. The healed cripple could not stop hugging Peter and John. The three men walked as far as Solomon's porch before they were surrounded by a crowd. As Peter looked over the gathered crowd, he knew that Jesus Christ had provided another opportunity to deliver a message. Some in the crowd remembered Peter from Pentecost. They helped to quiet the crowd when it appeared that he would speak again. 
Fellow Israelites, he said loudly, Why are you so surprised at this man's healing? Why are you staring at John and me as though it were by our own power or godliness that we made this man to walk? Peter looked into the faces of the crowd. He saw their amazement and confusion over such a dramatic event. They needed to know this was not a human action. He realized he needed to explain something that would be very hard for them to hear. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has given divine glory to his son Jesus. However, you handed him over to the Roman authorities and denied him in Pilate's presence, even after Pilate decided to set him free, stated Peter, bringing a tone of history to his message. At the mention of Jesus, some in the crowd looked sad. Other faces twisted in scorn, particularly some of the Jewish leaders scattered through the crowd. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God has raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Peter continued boldly. The Jewish leaders shifted nervously. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, Peter said, pointing to the formerly crippled man. The faith that is through Jesus has given him perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter noticed that some in the crowd were crying as they realized their part in Christ's death. However, Peter knew what they needed to hear to encourage them. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Peter said, giving the crowd some comfort and reassurance. Yet he knew that God expected more from them. Repent, therefore, and turn back to God, that your sins may be erased when the times of refreshing shall come at the presence of the Lord. Peter spoke loudly with motivating confidence. And he shall send Jesus Christ who was preached unto you, whom heaven must receive until the time when all things are restored, which God has prophesied of by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. He noticed many faces began to light up with the desire to do what he said. He also discerned that others remained skeptical and stubborn. Rejecting his Christ-inspired message, he quickly spoke to their looks. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you one of your brethren, like unto me. Listen to everything he tells you. Then Peter boldly warned, It shall come to pass that every person who refuses to hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Peter knew that the people who refused to listen to his warning 
were actually refusing to listen to God. He felt a pang of sadness for his fellow Israelites, but he had to keep moving forward with his message. All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also prophesied of these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers. When he said to Abraham, In your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Peter's message was finished. What needed to be said had been delivered. Then something very shocking caused a disturbance in the crowd. As Peter finished his profound sermon, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees in the crowd seized Peter, John, and the healed cripple. They were upset that Peter and John were teaching the people and that they had preached that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection from the dead. They escorted the men from the temple and threw them into prison. Since it was now late in the day, they held Peter and John overnight to deal with them the next day. Yet the impact of Peter's message could not be stopped. Many in the crowd had heard Christ's word. About 5,000 men believed all that Peter taught. This was amazing growth for the church. The next morning, Peter, John, and the former lame man were brought before the elders, rulers, scribes, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and other relatives of the high priests who were gathered in Jerusalem. These men were greatly grieved by Peter and John. They circled around the apostles, trying to intimidate them. By what power? And in whose name have you healed this man? They demanded with raised and irritated voices. However, Peter was not afraid or intimidated. You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we are being examined today concerning the healing of this crippled man, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you healed, explained Peter, filled with God's Holy Spirit. The crowd did not like anything God's chief apostle said. But Peter knew with utmost confidence that Jesus Christ wanted them to hear what he was given to say. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you builders, and it has become the cornerstone. Continued Peter, quoting one of their well-known psalms. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Peter's words cut them like a knife. He left them speechless. They knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. They understood 
that Peter did not have the academic credentials they had. Yet, his speaking was well informed and convicting. He and John were filled with boldness. This made these Jewish leaders marvel. And looking at the crippled man now standing thoroughly healed in front of them, they could say nothing against such an incredible miracle. The leaders did not know what to do with these three men. They harshly commanded them to be taken to another room so that they could confer among themselves. When the three captives were beyond hearing distance, the gang of leaders revealed their concern and upset over what was taking place in Jerusalem. They thought they had eliminated the Jesus of Nazareth problem. It was evidently not gone. His name was very much alive. What shall we do to these men? Asked one of the chief priests. Everyone in Jerusalem knows this spectacular miracle was performed by them. They had a real problem on their hands. All agreed the preaching had to be stopped. But how? We need to make sure this blasphemous teaching doesn't spread. One of the more prominent leaders said, Let's make it very clear to them that they had better shut up or they'll face grave punishment. However, these foolish leaders didn't realize who they were up against. After a few minutes, the Jewish elders called Peter, John, and the healed man back into the meeting room. Every Jewish leader present stared coldly at the apostles. The apparent head of the meeting spoke. Never speak or teach in the name of Jesus again, or you will be harshly punished. He hotly commanded. The threat didn't have the effect they intended. The three men were not moved to fear. You yourselves judge which is right in God's sight. To obey you or to obey God, said Peter and John. For we cannot stop speaking about the things that we have seen and heard. The healed man nodded in agreement. The leaders were stunned. Be warned, threatened another chief priest. You don't want to incur the wrath of the priests, elders, and the council. However, the Jewish leaders knew they could do nothing to these men because of the people of Jerusalem who had witnessed the stupendous miracle. Nearly all Jerusalem was praising God because of what had been done for the man who had been lame for 40 years. The Jewish leaders had no choice but to let the three men go free. Once free, Peter and John rushed to be reunited with the disciples. The disciples were thrilled to see Peter and John. Everyone wanted to know what had happened before the council of elders and priests. Peter and John reported everything. Although a little frightened that the two apostles had been thrown into prison, the disciples were enthralled by their boldness in declaring that the lame man was healed by the name of Jesus. However, 
they all understood that the apostles were going to need more strength from God. The twelve were not going to stop teaching about Jesus Christ, so there was sure to be more opposition from the Jewish leadership. They immediately turned to God in prayer, lifting up their voices in one accord. Peter led the little flock. Sovereign Lord and Creator of heaven, earth and sea, and all that is in them, by the means of the Holy Spirit you spoke through our ancestor David, your servant, when he said, Why were the Gentiles furious? Why did people make their useless plots? The kings of the earth prepared themselves, and the rulers met together against the Lord and against his Christ. Quoting Psalm 2. For indeed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate met together in this city with the Gentiles and the people of Israel against your holy son Jesus, whom you made Messiah. They did whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look how they threaten us. Enable your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness, while you stretch forth your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. They prayed with heartfelt earnestness, knowing the prophecies about the opposition to Christ, but thoroughly convinced of God's promise of support for his work. Immediately at the conclusion of their prayer, God shook the place where they were gathered with his great power. He filled each of them with his Holy Spirit giving them boldness to speak the word of God. What a tremendous time to be alive and to be a part of God's work. There was now a multitude who believed Christ's message. As the church grew, the new members became united in heart and mind with those who had come before and the previous converts took care of their needs. The members shared all they possessed, holding nothing back. The work was built stronger with each passing day. The people understood that their prayers for God's apostles were more important than anything else. Praying for God's apostles was the best way they could support God's work. The fruits of their prayers were immediately evident. The apostles moved forward with great power in their witness of Jesus Christ's resurrection. God poured out rich blessings upon them all. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the resources tab at pcg.church.